Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And, you know, normally we start to show off. We got some things to talk about. We kind of chew the fat a little bit. Not going to do that today. We got a lot to talk about. We've got almost too much to get to, and we're just going to jump right into it. Isaiah Wilson suffers an injury in Wednesday's practice, lower leg injury, going to miss a couple, two or three, maybe four or five weeks. We don't really know at this point. Um, the severity of the injury, and, and probably won't uh, at any point, according to the way Kirby Smart has handled things in the past. Uh, so it's probably going to be a week-to-week thing, and 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 we're going to discuss that first. We're going to get to you know some more of the injuries that George is dealing with. We're going to get to Georgia Murray State. We're going to talk about a couple of the bigger games this week outside of what you guys are all interested in. And uh, and let's jump right in. Let's talk about Isaiah Wilson for a second. Rusty, you were the one that confirmed the news for us last night. You're the one that that was able to kind of get some details on what was going on with Isaiah Wilson. Talk about that and, and talk about the impact for me about, you know, kind of what, what this means for Georgia. And, and I think we all kind of know and understand that, that the Bulldogs may be a little bit better equipped to handle something like this than, than most teams. Sure. Jake, you've been doing this long enough covering the team. You know when you check on an injury through sources, you don't hear anything. That's usually not good. I checked with multiple sources last night, kind of shortly after that news kind of got out, and everybody kind of got back quickly to me. Uh, Ankle, didn't say high ankle, those types of things. Just talking to people. uh, Could be, you know, one week to four weeks maybe. The thing that I did talk to one source I rely on a lot told me it's how his body will react. This is a big human being now with his ankle. So how much weight can he hold? When will he be back to who he is? I think it, it sucks it, you know, in, in a bigger picture when you look for, at George's perspective, but it could have been a lot worse had he broke his ankle or had an injury like that and lost this guy for the year. If you lose him, say, two or three weeks, you get to that bye week. You're not going to play Notre Dame with him most likely, probably, in my opinion at this time. Uh, but you do get that bye week, so I would think, based off what I heard last night, you can get him back heading into that Tennessee week. The thing about an ankle injury, you don't want it nagging and lagging into the season and not completely getting healthy. You know, Ben Cleveland uh, had an injury last year, kind of came back, re-injured it, that type of thing. wasn't really ever the same. So you want Isaiah Wilson for that stretch run in October and November no matter what. So I think they'll take their time, make sure he's ready as opposed to how Georgia will handle this, we could all talk the rest of the show about what Sam Pittman has done in recruiting. This is why you do what you do. Uh, He's literally going to slide Cade Mays out there, Ben Cleveland into right guard, Cade Mays probably the right tackle. Uh, If they're getting Jamari Salyer back, he'll have a backup right tackle there. He'll also have a backup right guard uh, with Salyer, so it'll be a big piece of the puzzle back. So, man – when you stack five stars on five stars, this is what happens when you have one down. You just slide one over. And if you think Sam Pittman is not valuable to the Georgia program as much, you look at what, you know, you lose a guy that's potentially NFL first rounder, and you're going to slide him out there with another former five star. So, and by the way, the guy that take his job at right guard, another former five star. A guy that would probably back those two guys up this weekend, a former five star. That says all you need to know about Sam Pittman. Kip, what you know, you you were there and and you kind of you you were there during his recruitment. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you went up to Brooklyn to cover the whole thing. What? Yes. You know, what, yes. Yeah. That 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 commitment announcement, one of the best of all time. All Biggest time. Elf I've ever seen. 
Uh, but but so what what's kind of your take on this and and where things stand with Georgia how it's going to impact them? It's better that it happened now instead of uh, going and heading in November. You know, you, the, the the next two it, it actually the, the schedule couldn't have gone any better for for Georgia if an injury was going to happen. I mean, you you have Murray State, Arkansas State. And then you know, obviously the big game with Notre Dame, but the, you know, then you have, then you have the bye. You know, this this year with them having that that extra week, it couldn't have lined up you know better just for getting Isaiah Wilson potentially back before the uh, the Tennessee game. I think uh, with Isaiah Wilson, I, yeah, as you said, I I did cover that recruitment and that that Christmas uh, show will. Will be an all timer for me getting to uh, attend that and, and and watch over an hour uh, of that school's performance, which they did a great job. Uh, I didn't plan on seeing that show, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. It was great, and that will set the mark for the biggest elf we'll ever see. And uh, I, I thought that uh, he did a great job with that announcement. I, I've seen my fair share of of live. Uh, dogs over the years with Isaiah Crowell and and Mikel Carter, and you know his his is definitely a, a unique twist on that as well. I think um, you know it, it it's great for for Georgia to to be able to see what they have now and you know in the rest of their offensive line to get Ben Cleveland out there and, and you know see if he is that that pass blocker that he that he was you know before he went down last year and to, and to see what that lineup kind of looks like w- with him and Cade Mays out there and again getting Jamari Sawyer out there and, and able to uh play him at multiple z- positions is great so it, it really is unfortunate but I, I I think that's possibly the one position where they were they were set up to be able to handle something like that. I, I'm sure that Sam Pittman and Kirby Smart would tell you otherwise because uh, they they probably see it differently. You know, they're 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 looking at at the big picture here and, and what they're trying to accomplish on the season. And so, you know, any inconvenience is going to be, you know, a, a, a test for them. But I think they're set up well for this, and then I'm interested in seeing just what you know how that offensive line plays because. Again, uh, I like that combination out there uh, with, with with Cleveland and, and, and Mays. Mays is just uh, he sets that tone in, in the run game. Uh, you can just see it out there in that Vanderbilt game. He, he you know, it, it looks like he he just takes some uh, pride and, and enjoys out being out there and and moving around that second level and and getting his guy and and trying to take him to the sideline on every play. So I think if you have him out there at right tackle, you know, he's going to, he's going to be able to, to set that edge, you know, even better. That plays to his strengths a little bit out there. And, you know, he's got experience playing multiple positions already. And and so that's, you know, that's, that's what sets him up to be able to handle something like this, getting these guys snaps at multiple positions and cross training. You, you know, Jake, you talk about that in all these practice reports every week, guys are playing multiple positions, this is why they're doing that, and this is why they're able to handle something like that happening. You know, I wrote in the in preseason camp about Cade Mays uh, being George's renaissance man. He he's practiced at center. He's practiced at both tackles. 
Uh, he, he's practiced it at guard, and and he, he can just do so much for Georgia, and that's a very valuable piece to have right now, um, almost to the point where you almost want to put him in bubble wrap for the next two weeks because I think Notre Dame is the one team on Georgia's schedule that has the edge rushers, that has the horses on the edge, Okwara, Hayes. Um, they've got another kid that, that's also really talented that I watched the other night against Louisville. Uh, I'm not super high on their interior defensive line or their linebackers, but they they've ha- they have good edge rushers. And uh, having Mays healthy for that Notre Dame game is now big because, you know, one of the things I harped on going into the season, <clears throat> excuse me, was the fact that uh, Georgia needed to find a fourth offensive tackle because last year, uh, if you looked at the top four offensive tackles, they were they were Andrew Thomas, Cade Mays, uh, Isaiah Wilson, obviously, who started all. 14 games at right tackle and Kendall Baker. Well, three of those guys had to miss time because of injury. You know, Thomas was injured earlier in the season. Uh, Cade Mays got got injured late in the season and missed several games. Kendall Baker ended up being out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, Wilson was the only guy who stayed healthy. And you you learned last year how important it is to go at least too deep at that position. And, uh, and Mays helps Georgia there. He's the swing guy. He's the next man up probably at just about every position because even if he's starting at right guard, he's the guy that's going to move around and Ben Cleveland's going to step in. Uh, but but they've got to have Jamari Sawyer ready. And, and this injury comes not at a good time because they never come at a good time, but it comes at the best time possible because two weeks ago this would have been really bad if he had went down into practice two weeks ago because Sawyer was also hurt. Well, now – He's a guy that can, you know, he's coming back, he's getting back ready, and and they can kind of start to work him back in against Murray State and Arkansas State. Uh, you you've got some you've got some situations here with the bye week, one of the rare seasons. It seems like that you end up with two bye weeks, and, and Georgia has one here at the end of September, and and, and you know they're not going to have to miss you know Sawyer for a game week there on September 28th. So that's big. Uh, there, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of blessings that Georgia can count here uh, about the timing of when this happened, and, and I completely agree with you, Kip. It's much better than November. Uh, it, I'm wondering though, and, and, I, and I feel like we're going to hear Kirby say this after the game on Saturday: is is what this is going to do to help Georgia build depth? Because is it going to be Xavier Trust? Is it going to be Warren McClendon, who, who I wrote about uh, today, but based on some comments Kirby had on him? Uh, back in uh, back on back in Tuesday's press conference, uh, I wonder who's going to be that next guy up. That that you know, what, Owen Condon. Once he gets healthy, he's another guy that's there. Uh, Demarcus Hayes, fifth year senior, junior college transfer, a guy that that has been kind of waiting in the wings. Uh, Rusty, who do you think out of that group? We know Mays and Sawyer are going to be a huge, uh, a huge uh, part of this whole thing. But who are the the guys behind him in that group of you know three or four guys? Do you think kind of starts to step up and and maybe helps this offensive line build some depth? You know, I'm, I'm assuming I'm correct that Condon is 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 hurt, correct? Right. Yeah. He, yeah. He's in a he's in a boot. Probably um, not going to be a factor in the next couple of weeks. I wouldn't imagine. You know, <clears throat> Xavier Truss is a guy that you know I look at and they dressed him. They brought him to the game the other night. Big body, tidy and kid who. You know, early on there was some good little buzz about him, and then he goes into fall camp, and he, uh, you know, look, it's a grown man's world once you start putting the pads on. But I think people give up too quick on people's seasons and stuff. Look, 
He's only been in pads at camp for three or four weeks, had one game, didn't get to play. But I think he's a guy that maybe by game six, seven, or eight, if he continues to take uh, some progress forward, that he might be in that two deep at tackle. And when you're in the two deep, you're one play away from playing. So um, I'm very curious, Xavier Trust. I still think he's a guy they want to redshirt. But if, you know, if it comes down to it and they had to put him in at, ta- at tackle uh, with some other injuries, I think he's a guy that interests me, uh, you know, what he can do because he is a big joker now. Uh, if you, I, you know, remember seeing him on his official visit last year, walk down the steps onto the field. I, I surprised me. I was like, that's a big dude. Now he's coming from an area where he doesn't play these types of athletes, very similar to Isaiah Wilson, who came down from Brooklyn, who probably played a little bit better competition, still wasn't playing this. So I think Xavier Trust is a guy that maybe may not be a starter. I'm not predicting to be a starter, but if he gets in that too deep later in the year, uh, that that would show me that he's definitely working uh, towards uh, doing the right things and being a guy that Sam Pittman can count on. Because I'm telling you, there was a little bit of buzz about his summer workouts, and I think he was a little bit better than maybe everybody kind of thought coming into this summer. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and I think that Sam Pittman – is probably kneeling beside his bed every night praying that that some one of these young offensive tackles really, you know, starts to come on because a a it helps the depth in general, but b it kind of gives him a little bit of 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 leeway going into next season. Let's say Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson both jump to the NFL early. Well, Cade Mays is probably slotted to slide over and play left tackle. You know, you're looking for a guy that will allow you to move Jamari Sawyer inside because that's that's where Jamari Sawyer's future is at. He, he's an interior guy. He's playing outside because he can and because he can help the team. But, but you know, if he's going to be a draft pick one day, if he's going to be a high draft pick, it's going to be as a guard. And if if one of these guys, whether it's, whether it's Condon, whether it's Truss, which I think a lot of people – just based on the fact that he traveled last week. I mean, let's let's just let's just go with that because Hayes is not going to be around next year. And of all the young players that traveled last week, the one that we were looking for to see, hey, is it going to be McClendon? Is it going to be is it going to be Trust? Is it going to be Condon? Trust made the trip. Now that may have been because Condon was hurt because he traveled with the team some last year. But ultimately, uh, you know, he's the guy I think most are looking towards. And then you've also got. You know, like I said, Warren McClendon, who who is a very good athlete, who's a very good football player, a guy that that I heard a lot about whenever he enrolled early, that, that he came in a lot stronger and a lot more powerful and and maybe ready from a strength standpoint than than people expected, and so you know you you've got some options there, but you know Sam Pittman is sitting there hoping, hey, maybe this allows the cream to rise to the top, and and. Puts, a, puts it in a situation where he can kind of find out what maybe things are going to look like for the future at the offensive tackle position. Because I can tell you right now, if if either one of those guards leave early, Cleveland or or uh, or, or, or Solomon, they're going to want to put Jamari Sawyer in one of those spots and and or at least let him compete for one of those spots and and go with a guy that's more of a long term tackle there. And and Xavier Trust seems to fit that bill. Uh, let, let's talk about one more um, injury that Georgia had, and and we didn't get a chance to talk about it because we we did the podcast uh, uh, before Kirby Smart announced this. Kiaris Jackson broken hand, a couple of breaks in the hand. Uh, Kirby indicated he's going to have some surgery, and uh, he's going to be out for a little while as well. Uh, no telling how long. Like I said, Kirby's very vague with these things. Very very. Uh, 
uh, I would say, um, cagey when it comes to talking about these injuries. And I don't blame them. Uh, it's, you, want to, you want as little information out there as possible in regard to the, regards to these things. But, Rusty, I'm uh, going to come back to you here and talk uh, with Kiaris Jackson out. I think we all know who, who the logical next guy is to, sure. to kind of step in there. Sure. Dominic Blaylock's a guy, another guy that was a freshman. Well, I think they played nine true freshmen at some point um, Saturday. And Dominic didn't get reps. But, you know, I know that he got a ton of reps during the scrimmages. I know there were times where he was running number two. Uh, Karras was a little bit banged up in fall camp. Again, you know, reaction is people like, well, he's three, he's going to redshirt. Kiaris Jackson, if you don't know him, how strong he is, how physical he is, uh, you know if you play wide receiver at Georgia, just like you would in the NFL, you're going to have to block. Kiaris Jackson was a shot put state champion. So what I'm getting at, he was a grown-ass man. Dominique Blaylock is still learning to play college football. Now, when you let him be natural and run routes and those type of things, he's probably a more natural route runner than Kiaris. He's probably a a more natural ball catcher than Kiaris, but it takes more than that to get into that lineup. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for Dominique Blaylock. I think uh, he's going to get some touches. Uh, You know, one thing I'm very curious about, and I don't know if we've mentioned it this week, Jake, and in your notes, but how much will James Cook slide out there? How much can James Cook play in that slot? Because, you know, he is a running back for Georgia, but he has that versatility to slide out there. I think I will be interested to see if Cook is a guy – that can go out there and get some reps in the slot and, and play a little bit of wide receiver during this as well. But I think Dominique Blaylock is the is the guy that's going to get more opportunities now with the injury to Kiaris, and we'll see if he can take advantage of it. I'm telling you what I know of Dominic, who he is, everything I've known over the last four or five years covering him, I think he's going to take advantage of it. You know, I didn't know until I, I went back and really studied the game that, that Kiaris actually got to start on Saturday. He was on the field for the first play, and uh, we, we downplay that. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme, but but that did kind of catch me by surprise. But but I'll say this about Kiaris now: uh, the the catch that he the catch that he had that he fumbled on, uh, that was impressive because he had a defensive back come in and and pop him real. I mean, real good. And uh, he was able to stay on his feet, fight for extra yardage, and that's when he f- when he fumbled. Kip, yep. what's kind of your assessment of the of the Kiaris injury and and kind of how it shapes everything? And 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 also just, I mean, how anxious are you to kind of see how Dominic Blaylock, a guy you're real familiar with, uh, responds to to college ball and, and getting his first opportunity? It's it's similar to the you know the injury in the offensive line. I think the timing of it again with with these two games coming up and then after Notre Dame you're going to have that bye. I think it's very advantageous for Georgia just as far as you know you got guys who you want to see what you know what they can bring to the table. You know some guys are probably going to you know redshirt at certain positions regardless, but you're still wanting them to play in these next two games. These the, that's what these games are kind of set up for and. I'm definitely not saying Dominic Blaylock's going to redshirt that, you know, he's set up for, for a lot of playing time. And, and I am really interested to see what he can bring to the table. Cause I know just coming out of high school, you know, at Walton, whether it's running back, you know, wildcat, you know, he was a playmaker. And one thing that kind of gets lost in the shuffle is, is just how talented he is with the ball in his hands and, and his ability to, to, to make guys miss in, in, in space. I think that, 
you know, his route running, he gets praised a lot for that, and rightfully so. He, he's put in a lot of work to that. And, and as Rusty said, Karis Jackson kind of had that physical edge. Even though Dominic Blaylock, he's a phys- he has that physical mentality, and, and he's a, a very tough player. Karis had, you know, that, that body frame, and he also had time, you know, to his advantage, just being at Georgia in that strength program. But I think that Dominic Blaylock set up very well to make a lot of plays. It, you know, it, as long as Jake Fromm can get the ball in his hands, I think he can do a lot of things for Georgia. And it's also just another situation where you'll get to see a little bit more of Demetrius Robertson. I agree with with Rusty. I think James Cook's going to get more snaps there as well. You know, that they have some guys that they can kind of move in there, and it's going to allow them to to see what they have, to see what Dominic Blaylock can bring to the table. And I know that, you know, fans are really excited about the receipt, this receiving class, and I think that Blaylock's going to kind of uh, shine these next couple weeks heading into Notre Dame game and, and, and get him some confidence so that he can make plays, you know, at the college level. I mean, that's a huge thing as well. You know, you're going to be able to get him snaps out here, and, and hopefully for him he's able to, to do something with it and, and, and you know, rack up some snaps, some quality snaps in these games heading into a huge home game against Notre Dame. You know, he'll be able to, to go out there knowing that, that, that he can get it done at this level. So I, I, I think I, that's big as well, just being able to, to, to get those, um, the, those snaps in in these next two weeks. And we just have to, you know, when we're looking back at the end of the, this year, I think we're going to, the way this schedule broke, you know, was, was, was perfect for Georgia, just the way it's set up. I, I think, you know, in the Notre Dame game, you know, it could be a coming out game for for a lot of these guys on the on the national stage, and these next two games are going to set them up for that. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right let's get into murray state a little bit and and we're gonna go we've got two different directions we're gonna go here and we're gonna start with the 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 ones the 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 major contributors and listen we don't have to we don't have we do. I think we all do. I think we all respect just about anybody that goes out there and puts the helmet on and goes through preseason camp. I think all of us have a healthy respect. We all played and, and understand what it's like to go through a, a, a preseason camp at, at a much smaller scale than what these guys are having to deal with. 
but we don't have to do like Kirby and, and the team and talk about not assume things and not assume that Georgia's not going to get up. They are. They're, they're going to beat Murray State pretty pretty hard, and, and they're going to they're gonna get on them pretty good and get on pretty quick. Uh, so let's start with the guys that you expect to, to stand out and to show out in the first half. And I'm going to go to you first, Rusty, here. What, who do you think is set up for a big game against Murray State while the starters are still in? You know, I was right on one thing, and I'll, I would be a grown man and say I was kind of wrong on the other. You know, Brian Herrien did get to start. Brian Herrien did get the first carry. Uh, but make no mistake about it, when Swift came in, it was different uh, last week. And he's so uh, just explosive in the hole. He's so to fifth gear so quick. I'm not sure how many carries he's going to get this weekend, but man, it, you know, what do you go? 16 carries for buck 150 uh, last weekend. And I still think, you know, going back and looking, Zamir White had a big run, a couple big runs. He was averaging 10 yards a carry off his, what, five or six carries. I wouldn't be surprised to see them lather Zamir White up a little bit more this week get him in a little bit more with the starters. Because the one thing I'll tell you, watching a team under Kirby Smart, they will rotate their skill players. They will rotate their wide receivers. They keep their offensive line. Alabama does the same. Clemson does the same. They keep their offensive lines in a longer, lot longer than people really expect, and that's to protect your quarterback and those things. So I think Zamir White is a guy that's going to get carries behind the first team offensive line this weekend uh, and, and, and really could probably put up some yards against Murray State. I think Swift's going to be the guy. Herrien does what he, he – you know, he's a change of pace guy, real quick bruising guy. Uh, but I think Samir White's going to get six, eight, nine, maybe ten carries this weekend, and that's going to make Georgia fans really happy, really, really excited to watch him as a football player and see what he can do. By the way, uh, just saw on TV this morning, kickoff for game temperature is going to be 97. So – Everybody gonna get lathered up just walking in the stadium. Big confidence builder there for Zamir White if that happens. Uh, I don't think they're really worried about you know you're not really worried about experience and all that stuff for running back, but but him coming off that injury, just with every hit, with every time he picks himself off the turf without pain, that's that's a that's a notch in the in the confidence column for him, and, and it's gonna help him uh, get back to his old form. I'm I'm gonna throw mine in here next because I'm, I'm, I'm always paranoid. Kip's going to steal my stuff. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm going to go with James cook. You guys talk me into it. And I look back at that UMass game last year. I think he had three carries for 76 or 78 yards and a couple touchdowns. I think James cooks in line for one of those 19 yards, a carrier or, or 25 yards, a touch type games. Uh, I just think he's too explosive uh, for a for an FCS team like this, and and I think he's just too good of an athlete for for them to kind of have to deal with, especially when they're going to find some creative ways to get in the ball in space. I thought Vanderbilt actually did a pretty good job on him, just just getting good angles on him and kind of squeezing him to the sideline. Uh, I know he had that one run, but it took two dominant blocks to get him into the end zone against that Vanderbilt defense. But but I think James Cook with his work in the slot. With, with his ability to run out of the backfield and take some of those out, outside handoffs, I think he's a really tough matchup uh, for Murray State. And, uh, Kip, who do you have, man? All right. Well, being that 
we expect this to be a, a high offensive output for Georgia. You know, I, I'm tempted to go with, with George Pickens. I know he had multiple targets in that first game. And, you know, I think he's going to be good for for one big catch in this game. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the, the tougher out here and go on the defensive side of the ball. I think this game sets up really well for for Monty Rice to have double-digit tackles. You know, they have a mobile a mobile quarterback. And they have a pair of running backs that are that are pretty solid as well. I think that you know they're going to try to come out there and, and just run with those guys and see if they can get to the edge at all. And I think you know it, it sets up well for for a guy like Monty Rice to kind of just fill in those gaps and 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 take the ball carry down a lot. I think he racks up, like I said, double digit tackles and this has a strong game. I know that you know the the linebackers were, were pretty solid in that first game, but. You know, there were a couple plays that they kind of left out in the field and, and some garbage yards that Vanderbilt was able to get. Now, granted, they had one of the best running backs in SEC doing it. But at the same time, I think it, there's still some things that, that Kirby would like to clean up. And I think that, that Monty Rice gives them a chance. I think that the inside linebackers in this game are going to shine. You know, later in the game, it, it sets up really well for, for Quay Walker and Channing Tindall to really get, you know, potentially a, a lot of playing time in that second half and, and kind of, uh, you know, just get their feet wet out there, you know, playing playing a lot of football. And that's really what they need right now is is as much experience as possible before they get into the, the grind of the, uh, of the season. All right, let's, let's move to the guys who didn't play a whole lot last week. And there's really no way to quantify this. Uh, you know, it's on the honor system. Uh, Rusty, what's one, what, who is a guy who didn't play a whole lot last week or maybe didn't play at all, maybe didn't travel that you think kind of steps up and, and, and has a good game in the, in the second half of this one? Uh, I'm interested to see Lewis Singh play. Um, I know there's a lot of buzz about him, you know, as far as, uh, and Otis Reese, I'll go with two names. Um, you know, two safeties that they're playing behind, you know, experienced guys. Hey, hey just, just say the whole defense. Just say the whole second-team defense. <laughs> the whole second-team defense. Like I said, they kept the starters in pretty late. So, But, listen, you're playing behind Richard LeCount and J.R. Reed, who are two very experienced uh, sec- secondary safety guys. And, you know, you, to play for Kirby Smart in a defense like this, you've got to be make those calls, those safeties, those inside linebackers. Those guys have to make the calls, so you have to know it. So I, I'm interested in seeing Otis Reese and Lewis Seen. I think both of them are getting a the game this weekend. Uh, both are big-body, athletic dudes. Um, you know, I don't know they'll be the, the game changers, but I'm interested in watching their reps, how they tackle in space, how they cover, uh, those types of things. So I'll give you two names, and that's those two safeties. Hey, based on what I've seen from those two guys, there's a high probability that they're just going to splatter somebody. I mean, they are going to – they're going to deli- – they're going to – everybody's – they're going to – ooh, everybody's going to kind of have one of those moments because scene was just – just smacking folks in in the G Day game, and Otis Reese is one of the biggest hitters on the team. Uh, I can definitely see that happening. Kip, who do you got? I want to see more out of uh, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, I think he's a guy that you know played a little bit in that game, but I I did not see enough of him against Vanderbilt. And he's someone that we've talked about a lot on this show. Is is someone we you know other than Aziz Ojolari, is kind of stepping up and and having a big role creating havoc, you know, on the edge. And, and he, he's a guy that I just I, I want to see more out of him this weekend. You know, I want to see him out there doing, you know, what he's capable of doing with, with his size and, and just his the physical presence he brings. 
he, he should be able to have an impact, you know, when, when they need him to. And, you know, again, Nolan Smith did pretty well when he had the opportunity. You know, Aziz did, did, did really well too. But, you know, they're going to rotate these guys, and they, they need Jermaine and they need Adam Anderson to be to be ready uh, for the call when, when they need them, you know, in big moments in games. And so uh, this is one where he should, you know, he should have the – the offensive lineman standing across from him, he should have him beat you know pretty well a- a- athletically and be able to to the the cause some havoc in that backfield and really affect Murray State what they're trying to do offensively. I really like that pick because he didn't play a ton last week, but when he did, I feel like he flashed. And I and I think him not playing a ton last week had a lot to do with with the ankle injury that he was dealing with and and trying to get back to full strength. I'm going to go with the mailman, Stetson Bennett. I think <laughs> yeah. when I yeah. think when I think when they when the music starts playing, the mailman's going to dance. I think he I think he's the kind of guy that I, I just you know when I look at Stetson Bennett, I, I just don't know that he has multiple gears. I think he's got kind of one gear, and that's I'm going to go out here and try to make a play, and he's going to get oper- I feel like he's going to get some opportunities to throw the ball. I feel like he's going to have some opportunities to take off and run. And, uh, you know, it's not going to shock me if some of the more sensational folks out there are going to start asking the question, oh, man, should Stetson Bennett be the starter? Because I think he's going to play well. And I think he's going to play well because I think this is kind of the kind of matchup that plays well for him. If you think about it, Georgia's second, maybe even third team offensive line is going to have a size and strength and athleticism advantage over Murray State. Uh, he's going to have some skill guys out there with some matchup uh, advantages, and and I, I just think that, that old Stetson Bennett and and his uh, his his little, little mustache are, are going to go out there and 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 make it happen. I think he's probably going to have a, a pretty big game. Damn, Jake, that's a good one there. I'll tell you this too: with a new with a new redshirt rule. Uh, back in the day, you know, we wouldn't see any of these guys. They're going to unload the. They're going to unload the side. Absolutely. They're going to unload the sideline. It's what you're going to see, Kenny McIntosh. You're going to see all these guys that were. Uh, you know, you might see Makaya Tongue. I mean, all these guys that you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, normally wouldn't get to see these guys. So that's the exciting part of that new redshirt rule. If Georgia handles business the next two weeks, you could see Kenny McIntosh and Stetson Bennett both have really good weeks. And not see them again this year if if things go the way that Georgia plans with their starters. Yeah, and and you know if you if you really want to get into it and start thinking about well who has a chance because of how the way the game's going and everything, Zion Logue and, and Tymon Mitchell in the fourth quarter with six minutes left and Murray State's doing their best to try to get on the board and do their thing and 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 get a good feeling about this game. Those are the type of guys who can really step up and, and make a play. That's when Jordan Davis last year, you know, I, I think, you know, I, nobody would confirm this. I, I don't know. Maybe Kirby said something about it. I seem to remember maybe some kind of comment. But but I think Jordan Davis was headed for a red shirt. And, and I'm not saying this game or, or these games like this are the reason he did it. But I, I don't think they hurt his cause. that he stepped in in some of these games like this, and, and he, all of a sudden you were like, Man, I mean, he's three yards deep in the backfield. They, they can't do anything with him. They're doubling him. They still can't keep him out of the backfield. And, and you know, there are guys that can put put themselves in the rotation by, by seizing their opportunity in, in games like this. And, and, and Zion Logan, Tom, and Mitchell 
while they have so much in front of them in terms of experience, they can definitely earn a little bit of confidence uh, from the coaching staff in a game like this because of the fact that you know injuries happen. And, and two, three, four injuries happen for Georgia on the defensive line. Nobody's immune to that. Um, you know, you never know. I mean, one of those guys could kind of earn themselves a little bit of a role and, and start to get themselves a little bit more of an opportunity to play based on, you know, what they do in this game and what kind of confidence they can build. Jake, you know this as well as I do. Two years ago, Ben Cleveland was not starting. And let's just be honest, because Ben Cleveland wasn't a great practice player. Well, they inserted him in the lineup, and all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, this guy's playing on Saturdays. So that could very much happen. Somebody may not be a great practice player right now. It gets in between the lights, gets on the field, live bullets, and you're like, wait a minute, we got a player. Uh, that's kind of what happened to Ben Cleveland his freshman year. Didn't start till very late into the year. I think they inserted him maybe around Auburn or Florida. And once he got in there, you know, he's pretty much either started or played a ton uh, since then. Hey, sometimes you're not hungry till you smell the till you smell the cooking, and you know they, they, some of these dudes are going to get a chance to smell the cooking on Saturday. Oh, those guys are excited this week because they're. I mean, you're sitting there going, "Man, I didn't even travel last week," and next thing you know, my parents are coming. First college football game. Uh, they're hoping the first team handles their business. I can assure you of that. All right, let's pick some games, and and we're going to pick Georgia Murray State last. Uh, and we're just going to give a score prediction. We're not going to pick this one against the spread because, to be honest with you, finding a spread's been kind of difficult for this game, and we have some some uh, rules we have to kind of play by there. But uh, we're, we're going to talk about two of the bigger games this week, and we're going to start with probably the biggest, and that's LSU-Texas. Now, LSU brings back a ton. They're not great on the offensive line, but they bring back a lot of really good football players. LSU always recruits well. The battle of DBU is what they're painting it out to be. I don't necessarily know that Texas has any sort of claim to this compared to LSU, but we'll say that. Uh, and, and uh, Kip, going to go to you first. W- what do you think about this LSU-Texas game? And, and Texas is the, uh, the six-and-a-half-point underdog. I like LSU to win this game. You know, I think that Texas doesn't have the depth at running back right now, for one. I mean, they have a former quarterback and a former linebacker practicing at running back behind Keontae Ingram right now. I think that's going to definitely play a factor late into this game. I think you look at what LSU has right now, especially defensively, you know, I, I think it's going to be really tough for Texas to to get anything going. You know, outside in this game, uh, I, I like LSU, but you know that the line. I, I think it's like six. You know, I, I think it's going to be closer than that. I think it's going to be maybe a field goal win for LSU in this game. They pull it out late. You know, so I, I have the Tigers winning. I'll, I'll just say thirty twenty seven. Rusty, uh, what's your take on it? I told Barton yesterday we were talking. I said, man, I just, just just something about LSU. I just think that, you know, you give them a little bit of LSU plays well when they're not the favorite. Obviously, look at Georgia. That game last year, they're going to go in there with a chip on their shoulder. I'm ready to take LSU. I'm ready to handle all this. Then I see that Tom Herman's like 13-2 and two when he's a seven or six-and-a-half point or more underdog. I don't know why I'm taking Texas, and I don't know why, and I hate to be a hunch guy, but I just think for some reason, Ellinger, I just, I mean, I love him as a quarterback. He's going to find a way to make a play. I, golly, man, I can't believe I'm going to say this because I hope Trey Scott's not listening. 
I'm going to take Texas in an upset, and I know that I shouldn't, but for some reason, man, there's just so much buzz in Austin. Uh, they've had this game circled for a while. I'm a huge LSU believer for whatever reason. Uh, I'm going to take Texas in a damn close one right here. Uh, I'll go Texas 24, LSU 23. Rusty says, to hell with your uh, with your point spread. I'm taking Texas on the money line. So oh, man, um, I don't have the balls to bet that, but if I'm going to predict, I just feel like there's so much energy uh, around this game. I, I'm, I'm a big-time Herman guy. Um, I, I just think they're going to find a way to upset them. Yeah, I'm a big Tom Herman guy too. I, I just think he does such a good job of getting his guys up to play in big games. Um, I'm, I'm taking LSU to win, but I'm, I'm like Kip. I think it's going to be a close one. I think this one's going to be tight. I think it's going to be really, really good. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is the difference, and and not not Joe Burrow's ability to throw the ball because I, I do I do think I do have confidence in him as a passer. But I think Joe Burrow's ability to run the ball. I watched every single minute of that LSU-Texas A&M game last year, mainly because I was hoping that that the result of that game, and I let you all figure that out because I don't want it to make it seem like I'm rooting for anybody for any other reason than you know self-interest. I wanted to go to New Orleans again, and so the the outcome of that game was going to have a, a, a was going to be a determining factor in where we got to go for a bowl game if Georgia didn't win. Uh, the, uh, the the SEC championship game. But I watched that game and just the tough yards he was able to pick up. I think when you combine his his ability to throw the ball with the tough yards, I think that gives that gives LSU a slight edge at quarterback. Um, I, I, I like, but I, I think Texas comes out strong and gets an early lead. LSU slowly chips away at it, slowly chips away at it, and, uh, and makes the play in the end to win it. Uh, I'm going with a final score of uh 27 24 i think that that's that's what it's going to be and i'm not sure if kit was that the exact same score you picked I, I didn't pay attention i initially was going 27 24 i think i went 30 27 i think like you said i think joe burr is going to be able to throw in these guys as well they allowed 330 yards two touchdowns to louisiana tech last week so i i think that secondary for for texas that trying to cl- lay claim to dbu uh, might be exposed against LSU. They they got some big time playmakers at wide receiver, so I think that's going to be different to game. So again, I agree. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take that that spread at all in this game, but I like LSU to win. Yeah, um, in Texas lost so much out of that secondary from last year. I think three starters. Now they did have a guy that had a knee injury that didn't play against Georgia in in the Sugar Bowl, so we didn't get to see him, but. But uh, they they lost a lot. Let's let's move to another uh, uh, cross conference matchup here: Texas A and M uh, and Clemson. Texas A and M is the 18 point underdog, and I'm going to go first with this one. I don't think that's enough, and I don't think that's enough because I don't think Clemson played particularly well against Georgia Tech. Uh, I think Clemson, if they would have played well, would have been able to name the score against Georgia Tech. Uh, I do think Texas A&M is going to have some success offensively, but I don't think they've got a prayer of stopping Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, Clemson's going to be tough to stop in this one, and and I think Clemson ends up winning this one uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty or so. So um, I, I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go Clemson uh, forty nine, and uh, oh, man, this is tough because. I do think Texas is. I'm Texas A&M is going to have some success offensively. I'm going to say 49-21. Uh, 
All right, Kip, what do you got? I like it. I, I think that Clemson is going to be able to, uh, to run the ball at will against this Texas A&M linebacking core. I think that's a big question mark still with them. They got some young guys that they're still out there trying to get some experience. I just think it's going to be a little different for these guys trying to tackle Travis compared to the, whoever Texas State ran out there last week. And again, I think this game last year, uh, he came, uh, Trevor Lawrence came off the, the bench for, for Kelly Bryant. And so now you have a, a quarterback who's helped Clemson to win their last, I think, 11 games by over 20 points. So I just think that this this Clemson team is kind of a well-oiled machine right now. I think that they're going to be able to do whatever they need to in this game. So, you know, I really like Kellen Mond. I've been high on him all offseason. He's going to give them a chance. I, I think he's he's a guy that's going to give the Aggies a chance in every game this year. But I, I think this game being, again, at Clemson, it's, it's going to be too much for the Aggies to really stay competitive. I, you know, I got a – I'll say Clemson 45, uh, Texas A&M 27. All right, Rusty, what you got? Boys, boys, boys. I love Texas A&M and the points right here. The bet of the week last week for me was the Auburn under. I really like that. That one hit. Let's not talk about the other two that, that weren't even close. I absolutely love Texas A&M and the points right here. Kellen Mine. Those big 6'4", six, 6'5", six, wide receivers they've got. Uh, I think I saw the day three of those guys projected top first, top two round guys. I mean, they have got some freak shows on offense. I will not pick against Clemson at Clemson uh, in a game like this, but I think it's going to be much closer than people think. Jimbo Fisher will have them ready. They're going to score some points. Uh, I think it's going to be a shootout. I really do. I went back and watched the Clemson Tech game. There were some spots in there. You know, Clemson's replacing all of those guys on defense, even though they do have great players they replaced them with. I think they got some holes early on right now. Uh, Trevor's still working through some things with some new guys. I love their young wide receivers. Holy crap. But uh, Clemson just keeps reloading there. I'm going to go Clemson 42, Texas A&M 30, and I think it's going to be a game all the way until the end, just like last year. But I'm a very big believer and Texas A&M's offense, uh, especially with their big wide receivers. Uh, I think Clemson's going to have some issues with those guys. Man, for a second, Rusty, I thought you were going to take the dog on the money line again, and I was going to – I was going to – man, I was, I was going to sound the alarms. I'm probably going to get up and run around. No, he hyped that up, and then he just went six points different than what I did. <laughs> you guys – Well, you, got, you've got, you got it as a push, Kip, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, Kip's got as a push. No, no, actually, no, because it's 17 and a half. I went right over. I'm a sneaky guy. I went 18. It's 17 yeah. and a half. I went 18. 17 and a half, yeah. I think it's going to be a game all the way to the end. I think Clemson, it could be 34 to 30. Clemson scores and one to put it away. But uh, talking to some NFL scouts this spring, a couple of guys that went through some schools, and, man, both of them both told me Texas A&M has got some dudes. they got a lot of young guys. Um, I just think they're they're better than people think. Uh, Georgia plays them this year. That's probably not the ideal team to be playing next year, in my opinion. They're going to be real. I love Kellen Mond in year two under Jimbo Fisher. Excited to watch this game. All right, real quick, Georgia Murray State. I think we all expect this one to be a blowout. I think we all expect this one to be a one where where some guys uh, get a big opportunity to play. Murray State runs an air raid offense. 
Um, I think that is going to get them on the board as far as a touchdown goes. But I think Georgia just really beats up on them. I'm going to go 54 to 10. I think Georgia kicks a couple field goals. I think Murray State gets into the end zone once, and uh, and Georgia wins 54 to 10. What's your pick, Rusty? Am I correct in saying in two years Kirby's had games shortened in the fourth quarter? Was it was it um, Austin P? Another game they had shortened to a ten minute. Austin P is the only one I know of. Uh, I I know that there uh, you might be mixing up uh, twenty fifteen when they had a lightning delay and shortened that game up. Yeah, could have been. Yeah, uh, Rick's last year. I think that one was was one against Louisiana Lafayette or something like that, or Louisiana Monroe or whoever it was. They're going. Both teams are going to wish it was shorter because how hot it's going to be. Um, I think Georgia steamrolls them. Does what they want to do. I think the big question all Georgia fans want to see. Is, is George going to open it up a little bit more? I love the pick of Stetson Bennett. Jake, uh, I think you know a little bit about what me and you know, and that dude can sling it around. And I think a lot of Georgia fans going to get their first look at Stetson Bennett this weekend, a good look. I think he has a great game. George is going to mash him. Um, you know, Kirby's not historically a guy that will put 65 or 60 on you. Uh, I'll go Georgia 52 to 52 to the 13. All right, Kip, it's on you. 13. Uh, I, I like Georgia in this game to to show what they can do offensively as far as being able to throw the ball downfield. I think that, that whoever's back there, quarterback, whether it whether it's the mailman, whether it's Jake Fromm, I think that they're going to be able to get the ball to their playmakers pretty handedly, and I think you're going to have a lot of yards out after the catch, a lot of broken tackles downfield. I, I like Georgia to win this game 48-3. Uh, to three. I don't think that uh, – you know, there might be a big player too that kind of breaks loose for for Murray State, but but I think they're going to be able to the the stop them and, and and generate a lot of three and outs defensively a, a, against them. Again, I think that they're going to try to use that dual threat with their quarterback, and I think it's it, they're going to have a tough time finding any holes uh, to be able to do that with, with with their Preston Rice, I believe, is their quarterback. So uh, again, I like Georgia to establish the their will early and, and get a lot of young guys in the game, and, and I think those guys are going to make a lot of plays too. All right, folks, there you have it, our picks for the week. Uh, all of the Isaiah Wilson, all of the Kiaris Jackson, all of the the standouts you you could think of from from this past from this coming week. I'm sorry, and uh, that's our show for today. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24/7. This has been Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7, and this is the Junkyard Dogcast. We'll see you guys next week.